welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Big Kids Book Club. My name is Marcus and I am your host. And joining me today, we have the author of The Boy in the Back of the Class, Stars Outside My Window at Night Bus Hero, and the brand new edition, The Great Food Bank Heist. Anjali Ralph, welcome to the show. Hello, Marcus. Hello. It's such a joy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for joining us. It's so good to have new authors onto the show. And as you are a new author, let's get to know you a little bit better. Uh, So if you want to tell us a little bit about why you want to become an author and a little bit about your journey, your writing journey up to now. Oh, God, how long have you got, Marcus? How long have you got? Because the writing journey part is very long. Um, I can tell you very quickly why I wanted to be an author. I think perhaps um, similar with most of your listeners it's the authors that I read growing up who made me want to write and you know I wished I spent days and years wishing that I could be like C.S. Lewis and Roald Dahl and Enid Blyton and come up with all these adventure stories to put into uh, stories of my own Um, so they were really the biggest inspirations I just wished I could write stories like them and get to go off on adventures of my own Um, and with regards to the journey I think the journey has just been a really hickledy-pickledy one Um, a very roller coaster-ish where I've had moments of great joy and other moments where I've gone out and burnt my manuscripts because I thought I'm never going to be a writer this is never happening um that's actually happened and did nearly have the fire brigade call on me um so um uh, the journey has been a long one I've been writing since about the age of 17 18 as in book books rather than just short stories um my first one was called oh please and I handed it into my university professor who told me there is absolutely no plot line here I don't know what's going on maybe rewrite <laughs> it was just a massive complaint about being a teenager and having to do exams um well I had a great deal of fun writing it uh, so that's kind of my first book which was a complete flop and will never be seen by anyone ever again um and ever since then I've been writing just adventure stories centered on human rights issues um so before the boy at the back of the class I was writing a trilogy about chocolate because chocolate is the best thing in the world um and constitutes about 75 percent of my body weight so um I loved I loved researching that trilogy and writing all about that but that's how I secured my agent it took me about nine years to secure an agent with those chocolate stories. I know, I know it's so painful, so painful. Um, But luckily I found an amazing agent called Sylvia Molteni who uh, found the story um, hilarious and um, interesting and enough for her to take me on. And then um, in the middle of her trying to kind of find a publisher for that, um, I wrote the boy at the back of the class. And it's such a miracle. It's weird how things happen. So the chocolate trilogy, I've been working on that. I say working and as in eating chocolate for nine years, nine whole years, 10 years writing that story. Um, And the boy at the back of the class was written I think it was written like two months and it's the first one to have sold um, and all these amazing uh, adventures have happened since then so yeah it's been a long journey but it's been a really fascinating and wonderful one and I wouldn't change it for the world. Absolutely that's such an interesting sort of just like woo. firstly the use of higgledy piggledy is not used enough <laughs> um, for starters but I do want to come back to Boy at the Back of the Class. So obviously in that sort of two months, where was the spark for Amit's story and the, the idea of that story of acceptance as he's sort of coming over here uh, from Syria? It's, it's a, a lot of people have connected to it and, mm. and found it very inspiring. So I wondered where, obviously in the midst of chocolate, there's suddenly this completely <laughs> different um, 
uh, idea? Um, so I actually started volunteering in the refugee camps of Calais and Dunkirk in northern France in 2015 after um, a story about a young boy broke across the papers. And you remember this, Marcus, it was a boy um, called Alan Curdy. Um, so I started volunteering there. And in my time, I've met so many just gorgeous children, um, you know, from newborns to toddlers to, you know, children who should be in school to teenagers, um, you know, traveling with families who are really traumatized and who have been trying to help all these years. Um, but I never went out thinking, oh, one day I'm going to write a book about all of this because I was still writing my um, chocolate book. As soon as I get back from the camps, the chocolate books are out and I'm still writing them. Um, but in 2016, I met a little baby called Rayhan, who the book is dedicated to. Um, and I had this photo of him um, with myself on my desk. Um, and it's a really bittersweet photo because it's the first, it was the first and last moment I ever got to see him. Um, because sadly, in countries, some countries across Europe where refugees are not, you know, being welcomed or being um, you know appreciated in any way um, there's a lot of really horrible things happening and one of the horrible things happening is police are sent in every few weeks to destroy campsites so a lot of the refugees I get to meet and help one week won't be there again the next week because the site has been destroyed um, so I met this little baby and his wonderful mother and uh, just as we were saying goodbye to them on the very first day that I'd met him um, the police were moving in and they destroyed everything and of course when that happens refugees run away because they're terrified um, and they've lost everything all over again and we can't track them so I never got to see this little baby baby Rayhan um, again and Fast forward to about half a year later, I fell quite ill. I was in the hospital bed and all I could think about was what was gonna happen to this little baby? What was gonna happen to him if he ever you know, grew up to become a seven or eight or nine year old in those camps and managed to get out without his family as so many millions of children are having to do and find sanctuary in a place where he could actually go to school, who was gonna be his friend and who was gonna you know, look after him and understand his story. Um, so really all those questions about this little baby triggered the story and in day, on day three in hospital, literally the boy at the back of the class, the title jumped into my head and it just wouldn't leave me alone. And as soon as I was well enough, I, I started writing that story and gave it into my agent as soon as it was kind of done. And here we are. Wow. That is just like you hear some of the stories that sometimes they do just literally like they hit you. It's just a moment, an epiphany. And mm. others, you know, it's just such a heart, heartwarming story you know this, this whole idea also the idea is that you know when you're you're at your weakest you're feeling sick you're in hospital and you're still your mind maybe it's just a writer's thing you're instantly going to finding ways to convey stories and finding getting the truth out through that means so super powerful to hear I think that it's probably too nice of you to say but I think it's just literally um I think it was, it was more of a thing of oh my god how do they do it how do they survive because I was lucky enough to be in a hospital and be treated and yeah. we looked after and these you know refugees of the world aren't they don't have that privilege um so it's just it's almost like a guilt complex as well like you just want to you just want to think a little bit more about it and see if there's something else that you can do yeah, yeah. and, and thinking about Thinking about others as well is obviously the starts outside my window. So we're moving on to book two now. And uh, so Anya and sort of Noah's story. So they're pulled away from their home in London, moved to Oxford because their mum goes missing. And mm. again, it's another very powerful story, which it just feels like obviously this is stuff that's going on sort of day to day that's sort of swept under the rugs. It's not hitting the headlines. It's not hitting the news, even though these are such monumental uh, events happening to individuals and children on a daily basis where was the the sort of like the catalyst for this sort of to come about was this another sort of uh, something you were working on or, or working with a group to to help children and individuals in these sort of cases or was it just something you heard about 
Um, absolutely. Um, again, it's through people that I'm working with and on the causes that are very dear to my heart. Um, so I've been working in the women's rights sector since I can remember. I declared myself a feminist at the age of seven at the dinner table one day and I haven't looked back since. Um, and I've been working with human rights and women's rights. And, um, uh, you know, I've been very aware of domestic abuse from, a, um, a, you know, my days as a student and working with human rights organisations. Um, so in my time, um, I developed an organisation called Making Herstory, which we work with women and children fleeing abuse and trying to signpost them to safety so trying to get them to safety so in that time I've met so many beautiful children like Anaya and Noah and Ben and Travis and all the characters in the book who have these just really gut-wrenching stories and these are being lived every day and you're completely right Marcus they're completely you know hidden away shoved under the carpet nobody wants to talk about it but the stats are really terrifying and the stats are something that we will not be able to get rid of unless we start tackling it sooner um, and preventing you know these these horrible things that children are having to live through and the stats tell us that you know one in seven children might be living with violence on the home front um, and you know it's just something that I find completely unacceptable so I wanted to create a story where we not only meet children like this but recognize that they know that there's something wrong they know that something has to be fixed um and Anaya bless her she goes on this epic quest because uh, she's a star hunter she's a stargazer she loves the constellations um and you know the stories up there reflect so in so many ways the stories down here on earth so I wanted to connect those two worlds and make sure that these children who are out there don't feel alone and that they know there are people out there waiting to help um, and you know who will understand their what they're going through so yeah again it's all linked to people I've, I've come to know and been honored enough to work with in my time. Yeah and sort of finding stories that that children can understand and and find so I guess some empathy in that also takes us into sort of like the the night bus hero where uh, sort of looking at Hector He's at this point, he was, he's a bit of an angry kid, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. um, and there's obviously he's using uh, prejudice against Thomas, who's the homeless man in the story, um, and sort of the blame when those artifacts go missing. Um, it's interesting that all, under all of these things, there's always messages of sort of like acceptance and sort of like, uh, I guess, everyday sort of like things we can do to improve ourselves, you know, just trying to see things from other mm -hmm. people's points of view and understanding, you know, it's just because the way someone looks or the way someone acts, there might be some some reason behind that. There might be a story behind that, that actually, if we take it from their point of view, it's not just so clearly cut black and white. And uh, I was wondering as well, sort of, are these more, these stories with the, the message, does the plot come first or do you, you think of more the messages behind them or the stories or the, I guess, the struggles, the human, human struggles behind them? Does Which one sort of comes first? I'm definitely not the plot. The plot is like the last thing. I'm not. I'm not a planner, um, and my poor editor probably feels that pain. Um, so for me, it's the characters. I know the issue that I want to write about. So with all the books, I know exactly what issue I want to write about and highlight. And then the characters are forged. And then from the characters, it's almost like. Literally, Marcus, I'll sit down and I'll start at chapter one. I have no idea what's going to happen by the end of this chapter, what's going to happen in chapter two. But um, the character is forged and the character tells me where it wants to go. And then something goes in the wrong way and I have to re-edit it and bring it back. But um, it's the characters and they forge the plot as they kind of go along. So I'm almost just following them. So with Hector, who's a bully and um, it's just not a nice person, uh, because I think with any form of homelessness, whether you know, you're a refugee or whether you're someone fleeing your home or whether you're someone who's homeless, all, you know, all people 
who are homeless have experienced bullying and it's just a just a horrible fact of life uh, which we need to change um so i thought it'd be really funny to have a bully as the narrator of the story about homelessness so let me just you know see where, where it goes so i started off with him in school you know plonking something in a kitchen um a school kitchen and the soups um and just taking it from there and it's literally exploring that character and seeing where they go and trying to imagine how they might react to a situation and then the plot kind of comes last so <laughs> it's like I know some certain ingredients and then it just kind of gets forged as you write along and then my editor comes in and um, puts her foot down and says well actually we need a little bit more or we need a little bit less or whatever it is that is needed um, so yeah it's definitely the issue then the characters and then the plot. Oh yeah, and you've got a whole host of amazing characters in your latest book, The Great Food Bank Heist, coming out from Barrington Stoke. In this, we have uh, Nelson and Ashley and Mum, obviously, of course, but mm -hmm. also friends, Krish and Harriet, who join us on this epic story, which uh, effectively, again, it's it's one of those sort of subjects that I think is being uh, sort of more heightened about. And actually, I saw in the acknowledgements at the back, you said that Marcus Rashford's campaign on sort of like ending child poverty uh, or food poverty here in the UK is one of the sort of like the catalysts for it. But I, I did love the the sort of like the, the quirks we have for for Nelson and the fact that he does admire this uh, the footballer in his local town. Yeah. Noah, I can't quite remember the last name. Oh, Noah. Equiano. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the equalizer. I love the it. Equalizer. Yeah. And the, yeah. the fact the small things like that actually give kids hope and, and things that kids can look up to. But I wondered actually, uh, did you do any other sort of research in regards to sort of food banks and especially stuff like the the kids breakfast? clubs mm -hmm. um so i work with a number of homeless charities and uh part of the homeless charities works are always delivering foods for food banks or you know getting donations in um, for their local schools. Um, so I've gotten to know a lot of the children um, that I, you know, that we work with through homeless shelters. And so the stories of Nelson and Ashley um, and some of the children that they meet in the Breakfast Food Club are all real. They're, I mean, they're fictionalized because it's, it's a story and they've come with different names, but all of those experiences and the games that they play to try and make, you know, the, the thing that they're going through a bit more bearable. All of those are real games that I, I know parents play every single week to make sure that their kids can get through the week. Um, so again, it's, it's based on experiences. And I was very, very lucky because um, in the middle of writing this book, um, I got to work in some Trussell Trust bank, um, uh, food banks and get to meet some of the amazing volunteers there. Um, and also, so um, a part of the royalties, of course, from the book is going to the Greggs Foundation Breakfast Clubs. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a Geordie at heart. I was born in Newcastle. And the fact that there's this Geordie, amazing, pasty-based business helping so many schools um, just fills my heart with joy. Um, and getting to meet teachers who are just superheroes and making sure that their kids are fed and have a good start to the day. Um, I mean, they're all just, they're all out there just doing incredible things. And I get to meet just a fraction of them. Um, so I'm hoping the book really inspires anyone who reads it, not to just you know um look at the big mega stars because i love marcus rashford and what he's done and opened up you know opening up the you know the world's eyes to the fact that we are one of the sixth richest countries in the world and we are still you know having children who are really struggling with food poverty um but also the everyday superheroes of who are out there who aren't on twitter who aren't on social media who are saving um kids tummies and their families tummies every single day it's just such a privilege um yeah i'm really excited about the book i'm really hoping it will get you know some stigmas to be washed away and um people just to realize that hey um everyone deserves to have uh you know a world in which food isn't uh, an, an issue uh, especially not now in today's world
Absolutely. It's, it's an absolutely fantastic read uh, brought to us by the lovely people at Barrington Stoke. I wondered uh, for you, uh, the experience working Barrington Stoke uh, on this one, obviously slightly slimmer length, mm-hmm. uh, easier to read, sort of helping, especially kids as well, who maybe are a bit more challenged uh, in reading, reluctant readers, as they sometimes say. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it like, the experience maybe writing for Barrington Stoke compared to, to writing beforehand for, I believe it was Orion? Um, yeah, it's so different and it's so and it's such a learning curve because obviously, you know, as a writer, you want your books to be accessible to everyone. Um, but writing for dyslexic children, there are so many little things that you just do not think of um, if you're not uh, within that group of people who need a little bit more extra help to make reading pleasurable. Um, so bless Elisa Barthgate, who is my editor for Barrington Stokes. She opened my eyes and you know, kind of nudged me and highlighted things that I could change and simplifying sentences and making sure that I wasn't, you know, going into mass monologues and all the rest of it um, just to make the book a little bit more fun and accessible um, to the children that we're trying to to ensure read it so it's been such a learning curve and I think um, I don't know it's made me very aware uh, with regards to my future works as to what I need to do to to I don't know streamline and make you know books more accessible to people it's so crucial um, but yeah I'm so grateful for the for the learning it's just amazing yeah it's absolutely and I, I love their books because for me as a sort of big kid reading mm-hmm. uh they are just it's like uh, you sit down you can read them in about an hour so it's yeah. almost just like sitting there watching netflix binging them it's so easy <laughs> yeah, it's, di- it's dipping into an adventure isn't it it's yeah. just fun yeah and the, their author catalog is just absolutely stunning so just unbelievable yeah. absolutely well this is another amazing addition to the bangston stoke collection um absolutely so <laughs> it's been so much fun to read uh, amazing as well uh, some artwork from uh, Eliza Paglianelli, uh, who is one of my favorite ones, did stuff like uh, the Adventures on Train series, which yeah. I love as well. Um, but unfortunately, as much as I'm loving this interview, we are rapidly approaching the end of it. So we are <laughs> going to go on to our competition segment because it is competition time. Yes. Yay. For everyone who's listening, we are giving away a fantastic copy of the Great Food Bank Heist for one of you lovely listeners to win. How do you win it? Let me tell you. So you want to head over to our Twitter at Big Kids Book Club, all one long, lovely word. And there you'll be using this week's hashtag of breakfast comp, hashtag breakfast comp. And in this, in the story, there's a lovely moment where uh, Nelson and his friends in the breakfast club, every Friday, they try and guess what the treat of the week is going to be as (laughs) Mrs. Ball brings it to school. So we were uh, having an idea and we thought it'd be fun if you come up, what would be the best food treat? If you were at breakfast club and you were wondering what could be brought for breakfast, that would just be like, yes, my week has been made. I know, I think uh, Nelson wants chocolate chip cookies, I think is is his favourite. Yeah, it was cookies or muffins or something. Muffins, yes, chocolate muffins, that was it. Um, So that's obviously (laughs) what he's after. Um, Anjali, what would uh, would be your like ultimate breakfast um, treat? Oh, I'd have about 50, but (laughs) I think it would have to be... Oh, you know, it'd be a really lovely toasted chocolate croissant, which is like kind of droopy and just all delicious. It's making me hungry just even thinking about it. But yeah, that would be definitely be my top, the top breakfast thing that I'd want. Yeah, that's pretty good. My what one, would yours I, be, Marcus? I, for me, I love, you know, the little Madelans, the little... Oh, oh that's very quaint. I love them. <laughs> I, love I could just, just eat so many of them. Like, oh. the ones that are half covered in chocolate. Oh, obviously Either. double double decadence there 
that's a good choice i love it <laughs> that's just that's just some of our ideas obviously you might have far more exciting and uh, delicious uh, ideas but we want to know what they are and you're going to tell us with the hashtag breakfast comp at big kids book club and uh, we will pick one of you lovely listeners to enjoy an absolute veritable feast in the great food bank heist uh, how's that sound Anjali? That sounds delicious, like the most delicious competition that has ever been released ever. Fact. <laughs> fantastic. And oh, this has been fantastic too. Oh, it's a shame it has to end, but unfortunately end it does. But let's not let you go anywhere quite yet because I want to uh, allow the listeners a chance to know how to get to know you better, how to uh, find out more about your books. We've talked about so many amazing books that people can basically jump into and read today. Is there a website or social media they can go to to find out more? Um, absolutely. I'm on Twitter at Anjali Rawuf. Um, so just my name, all one long word. Um, and um, with regards to my works and things, though, you can just Google Making Hers Through O's Refugee A Team if you want to get involved with any works that are being um, uh, supported by the boy at the back of the class or the start outside my window. Um, but I don't have an author's website. I'm, I think I'm too lazy. Maybe down the line I can do that. But for now, um, the best way to kind of get in touch or to see what I'm doing is on Twitter. Oh, fantastic. Well, there we go. We shall say thank you one more time, Anjali, for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much, Marcus. <laughs> and thanks to you, lovely listeners. We hope you've had an amazing time. And until then, all I have to say is for you to take care, to stay safe, but most importantly, to keep on reading.